0: We're like carnies, but with better clothes and teeth.
1: I have very few redeeming qualities.
0: Don't be tricked by that fetus.
1: But I have to. It's in the script.
0: Welcome to the Palm Court. I'm Kelly Anakin. And I'm
1: Tom Schneider. Let's go shopping! <laughs> with very, You know what? There's very little shopping in this season of Selfish. That's true. Like, They've
0: really lost sight of the shopping.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: It turns out Rose Selfridge was the heart of not only (laughs) the family, but also the store.
1: Yeah. Well, and of course, Agnes and Henri. Yeah. And as we've all learned... This show
0: has reverse Mad Men syndrome. Yeah. Because so much of the first season, and the first two seasons really... All revolved around the store and everybody's professional lives. And, you know, there was, you know... Yeah. People doing it and stuff. Right. Keeping it interesting. Right. But, like, this season has borne down really, really hard on Harry's personal life and not to anybody's benefit.
1: Right. Well, and not even so much... I mean, that's been true for sure. But, I mean, also, you know, Fat Thomas is... He's got a whole parallel plot line that has nothing to do with the store. Mm-hmm. I mean, he doesn't work there anymore. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they've, they have lost their focus on the shopping experience, which... That's trouble. If I've learned anything from the Selfridge's shareholders meeting, you have yeah. to keep that focus on your customers. Oh
0: yeah. Be that as it may, before <laughs> we get into this recap. Right. Uh, so we are not doing a traditional Ellen Love letters today, but if you want to send us one, I realize I keep forgetting to say this. Oh, right. Uh, you can send, email us at downstairs at gmail.com. You can look us up on Facebook, upstairs, up, yours downstairs exclamation point, or follow us on Twitter. We're at Palm Court Cast. Yeah. Hopefully that'll make sense. <laughs> As we are a child podcast of our parent podcast, Up Yours Downstairs. Right. Which is hosted by us.
1: It makes perfect sense to us. It does make perfect sense to us. Uh, we received a telegram from customers, Carol and Christine, or cousins. I think they were writing as cousins at the time. Yes. So we'll go with that. <laughs> uh, but uh, there had been some issues that they had with us. And it was specifically regarding our coverage of Parade's End and our discussion of CBATCH and referring to him as being on the spectrum, as being autistic, all that sort of thing.
0: I believe the word spectrum-y was thrown around. I think you're right. Probably yes. by me. Uh,
1: probably so, yes. That sounds
0: exactly like something <laughs> I would say.
1: It does. And it's a situation where, in our minds... We don't think of that. We didn't think we were being, you know, pejorative, that it was just a value neutral description of, I mean, he, you know, he clearly was intended to be portrayed as somebody they didn't have that diagnosis at the time. So it's, it's hard to say exactly. And it's hard to say how much Tom Stoppard had a specific condition in mind versus just a personality type. Uh, but to us, that's what we felt like we were saying, but it's clear that we weren't. Um, and if we're making people feel, like we're insulting them and that people who have autism or anything else aren't worthy of respect, then that's a problem. Yeah. And then we apologize for that.
0: Yeah. We are very, very sorry yeah. uh, for using those terms and we will not do so in the future. would also like to point out that Cousin Carol pointed out specifically that... People are kind of using the words Asperger's and autism to sort of replace the word retarded. Mm -hmm. You know, if you, like us, grew up in the 80s, you just said things were retarded. Right. And, you know, activists have had to work pretty tirelessly to get that to change. And now it's actually changed, Mm -hmm. which is great. But we don't need another word to fill that void. Right. There's a lot of other great words. There are. That aren't offensive to human beings. Yes. Um... Anyway, so just pointing that out. And Carol does some really great activist work, and we're going to check with her and see if she wants us to make you guys aware of that in any broader uh, sense.
1: Right. Um, but And we want to thank her for um having this conversation with us because you know we want we want to know these things we you know it can be uncomfortable to be in that position but we want it to happen because we want everybody to be comfortable listening to our podcast
0: as we have said in the past this is a nice podcast for nice people who like Downton Abbey yeah uh and now Mr. Selfridge and a lot of other things sure sure um and also just as a trigger warning Uh, I think we may have used some of those terms in Parade's End. I think we may have actually said something about Agnes Towler early on. I think that's Uh, certainly possible. I don't remember it specifically. But um, the woman architect in titanic blood and steel whose name i cannot remember for the life of me wow
1: i had forgotten that character's existence
0: we forgot a lot of things (laughs) it was the blue
1: it was the blue so
0: i think um if you're kind of looking to avoid that those are the three that i can think of and i think that was all kind of in the same time yeah so yeah that was the trend right that we unfortunately had going so Mm
1: -hmm.
0: so we're really sorry yeah uh we're really sorry if you know we caused you any discomfort or sadness or anything along those lines anything along those lines (laughs) right
1: yeah that's i mean that's just it we're sorry we're going to try to do better in the future and thank you for pointing that out yeah And and
0: if we don't do better in the future please we want to hear
1: your story exactly
0: all right so that's the end of Ellen's non-love letter. <laughs> right. Or non-letter. There was love. There was love. There was a lot of love. Yeah. All right. Okay. So now it is time to recap this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, holy shit, guys. Doris
1: is just dead. <laughs> right.
0: She's still just dead. Yeah. She died like that. It happened. And we open on a picture of her. So it must have been... Real bad. Yeah. I mean, she did get hit by a truck that was going something like 60 miles per hour. Well... I don't know what that is in kilometers.
1: (laughs) Right. Except that... The thing that kind of undermines that is that we did see a picture of her apparently dead, but also apparently unharmed in any way body at the end of last oh, episode. Oh, did we? Yeah. Oh, well, see, yeah. you're
0: the one who watches them twice now, so right. I miss out on these important details.
1: Yeah, like even Matthew had a little trickle of blood, like, next to that him. That was
0: such a half ass trickle of blood. It was. That was just like, whoops, sorry, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> Don't let the automobile hit you on the way out the door.
1: But I have to; it's in the script.
0: <laughs> I feel like Julian Fellows is so mean.
1: I feel that way too. Yeah,
0: I feel like when they run into each other at the BAFTAs, like, <laughs> Julian Fellows will like be there, like next to somebody else who's talking to Dan Stevens, and he's just like looking off into the middle <laughs> distance until it's over. <laughs> So, rest in peace, Doris classic. You really were classic. She really was. Man, she was so great. Mm -hmm. And I am honestly kind of disappointed they've gone this route. Like, Mm -hmm. I was more interested in seeing this play out with her as a human being, with agency and choices. (laughs) Right. Uh, Instead of as a corpse who no longer has any sort
1: of effect on the world. Yeah, but here we are.
0: Yeah, so she's dead. Um, although you know maybe the actress had to leave because we found out oh, this right. week mm-hmm. that uh, what is his name? Ais- uh,
1: I don't know how to God, pronounce so it. Terrible. No, it's it's Aisling Loftus, okay, but I Aisling don't know if that's Loftus the right pronunciation. And, uh, Gregory Fitz to see. Yeah.
0: We are woefully <laughs> underprepared we to are. host a podcast <laughs> about Mister Selfridge.
1: Ah, uh, but what you got to remember is we're better prepared than any other Mister Selfridge podcast out there. The zing. Oh. <laughs>
0: Yeah, there's been fewer seasons. <laughs> um, yeah, so they are not ever coming back. Yeah, they're gone. They're gone That's forever, it. guys.
1: They're, and in, it looks, they're just going at, to be in Henri's big empty house forever. We
0: looked at Aisling Loftus's IMDb, and she's got some, you know, decent marquee level stuff coming up. She's mm-hmm. playing, uh, Charlotte Lucas in Pride and Prejudice and Zombies, which right. probably seemed like a great idea when she signed that contract three years ago or whatever. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but now Pride and Prejudice and zombies are kind of like done. Yeah, we're all Ugh, we've had it. Right, Jane Austen. Uh anyway, did we didn't even look at what Gregory Fituci?
1: No, was we doing. didn't. For some reason, we didn't care.
0: I really now want to rewrite the song Shapoopy from The <laughs> Music Man <laughs> and change it to Fituci.
1: Get Buddy Hackett on the line. <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's always been here, Tom. He's just been sitting. <laughs> Guys, Buddy Hackett has been our silent third chair. Hey! <laughs> Do Scuttle. Do Scuttle. I, I, I can't. Aw, Tom, now you've revealed that Buddy Hackett is just imaginary.
1: <laughs> I don't know what Scuttle is.
0: <laughs> what? From The Little Mermaid?
1: Oh, I didn't know that was him.
0: Yeah, man.
1: Well, I didn't oh know my that was him.
0: God. You I probably did... don't even have that movie memorized, do you?
1: Look, when I watched The Little Mermaid, I wasn't aware that there was such a thing as like voice actors. Like, I, I mean, I knew. I mean, if you would asked me, I would have said, "Well, obviously there is," but it would never have occurred to me to Actually, think I about if that's
0: the movie that taught me that there were voice actors because mm. when I was a kid, I used to watch DuckTales, and on the commercials, I was like, "Well, they are rehearsing now,
1: <laughs> right?" <laughs> <laughs> so you know,
0: I had, I had at least I internalized the concept that people who were on TV were not really <laughs> right those characters, but. I I also did not understand that animation uh, is not sentient. Yeah. So. Right. Maybe that was a Roger Rabbit thing. I don't know. I, Man. Look. Boy. Young Kelly. <laughs> if somehow you've learned to travel through time, please let me know.
1: Yeah. I've got a lot of questions. Yeah. Uh, but we did not look up what Fatusi, Fatusi, da 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 um, <laughs> <laughs> We did not look up what he's doing. I, I, I don't. I, I don't think he's as... He
0: seems like he doesn't give a shit. Yeah. Which I think is great. Yeah. Well, and like, he genuinely doesn't give a shit.
1: Right. Like, I was listening
0: to uh, a podcast today at work because I'm trying to, like, listen to human voices more. <laughs> and I it was TJ Miller was on um, You Made It Weird with Pete Holmes. And I was like, you know, I like TJ Miller, mm-hmm. like, in general. But he was being extremely, like... Uh, you know, like Hollywood and like you have to be very like, you know, reputation oriented and like, you know, it's, it's clearly like a conflict for him.
1: Mm-hmm. But
0: I'm like, I don't think it's as much of a conflict for you as you think it is. Yeah. Like you wouldn't be one of the top white male comedians in the country if you were really that conflicted about
1: it yeah it's like like, people
0: who are actually conflicted about like fame or show business hosted downton abbey podcast (laughs) like that's what they do
1: no you're right i think me thinks the beardy guy protests too much
0: yeah anyway but whereas i think gregory fatusi is just like eh maybe today i will act
1: tomorrow uh."
0: baguette
1: (laughs) Oh, he baguettes every day. <laughs> <laughs>
0: now, now I want... It's like a buddy comedy. Baguettes and fiduci. or maybe France is number one crime fighters and lovers. <laughs> uh, what were we one talking about? <laughs> we haven't even gotten through the first scene.
1: One of them's tough on the outside, but soft on the inside. The other is a baguette. <laughs>
0: Oh man, somebody photoshopped that. That's great. Oh god, also, I don't know if everybody saw, and I think maybe I didn't share this on Facebook okay. because I got it on Twitter on my phone. Somebody did make us a GIF of Gordon's wooden car. Oh yes. That says, never forget. And I cannot remember who did it, and I am a dick.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but we'll, you know, you're credited on the thing right and we'll recredit you on the other thing <laughs> there's yes. a lot of things going on tonight.
1: yeah uh but whoever you are uh you're, you're you're great yeah we really appreciated it
0: yeah and it just made us laugh every time we looked at it we'll probably look at it again later
1: <laughs> and laugh
0: okay anyway okay All right. so the show yes that is the reason for this podcast <laughs> yeah. not my critiques of tj miller <laughs> uh doris classic's funeral Right. Uh, Miss, We get this like tricky shot mm-hmm. of Doris's face fading into Mr. Grove staring at her face, mm-hmm. which I guess is cool. I don't know. That seems like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't care.
1: Look, he learned how to do it in film school. He busted out.
0: So Mr. Crabb tells Miss Martle that it's very Christian of her to host The Wake. And I'm like, uh I don't know that it's like I mean he doesn't know the whole backstory. Right. But it's like, you know, she's like known this guy forever. Yeah. Like you just you know, you help a, a friend out yeah, when I their know. wife gets hit by a lorry.
1: <laughs> uh, he's just being polite.
0: Anyway, uh she says it's been a very hard time for Mr. Grove. Mr. Crab says she's a loyal friend, and her internal monologue goes, Oh well we both for quite a few years <laughs> When his first wife was still alive. <laughs> <laughs> so then we see a chauffeur open the door for Harry as he looks at Martle house and he comes in. Right. And then Kitty mustache, George and fat Thomas are all standing around saying how Dora's classic was too young. And it seems like only yesterday they were all starting out together. Uh, and it is, it's nice actually to see them all hanging out. I mean, it's the kind of thing that happens at weddings and funerals.
1: Yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: and I guess christenings, if people are still doing that.
1: I suppose so, yeah.
0: Uh, but you know, I mean, they did. Mm -hmm. Too bad Agnes isn't there. And, you know, George is now just a silly putty chameleon, <laughs> fulfilling whatever needs the script has for him.
1: Yeah, he sure is.
0: Um, but, like, Fat Thomas, like, I just, man, I'm digging his whole thing this se- this season. Yeah, yeah. Who would have thought? Not I. Whoever would have thought?
1: Very few people.
0: Very few people, indeed.
1: Fat Thomas is like, I thought so. He did think so. Yeah.
0: I don't even have the slightest idea what that guy's name is. Is it Anthony Mackey? <laughs>
1: I don't know, is it? Isn't that I don't a guy? know. We need to make flashcards. <laughs> we do.
0: Uh, okay, anyway.
1: Right. Uh, so Martle answers the door and tells Harry that she wasn't expecting him, uh, but says that Grove is in the dining room.
0: I find it extremely suspicious that everybody acts like he wasn't going to come to this funeral.
1: Right. Of of course he was going to come. Like,
0: he's a very human boss.
1: Yeah. I mean,
0: is he completely insane? Is he potentially driving them all to, like, you know, the poor farm? Right. Yes. (laughs) Sure. Absolutely all of these things are true. But he—he's a, he, he, a genuine friend of Mr. Gro- I mean, yeah. so
1: far as you can be, right? But he works closely with Grove every day. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to skip that guy's wife's funeral, like yeah. you're just not. So Harry heads in, and Martle sees Baby Daddy walking up to the front door with a bunch of flowers.
0: This guy does not seem to understand the first rule of Baby Daddy Club, which is, don't!
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Like, whatever it is you think you are going to do, don't do that thing. Yeah. Go do a different thing. Right. Go date that tooth.
1: <laughs> I, he said he was going he to. He said he
0: was going to. He wasn't going to raise his baby.
1: <laughs> I was thinking now that Doris is dead, maybe she'd reconsider my offer. <laughs> Anyway, Martle shuts the front door and tells them that he cannot come in and to give it time. Grove takes this moment to look out the window, unfortunately, and sees the two of them talking as baby daddy says that he doesn't even know where Doris is buried. Uh, Martle tells him that it's the western side of Kensal Green for the morning sun. The sun rises in the east, but I guess if it's on a hill
0: look man, I don't know why you would bother burying somebody to be in the sun or not be in the sun as they do not care that's
1: that's a fair point like
0: even if you don't you know even if you're not an atheist, like their soul is not that like the yeah. part of them that liked the sun has fled, yeah,
1: agreed, but that's what people do. She tells Baby Daddy that the number 26 bus will take him there while handing him something, which I guess is bus fare, because the subtitle says Coins Clink. But he seems to be a perfectly respectable person that can afford bus fare. I I agree. And teeth. (laughs) And uh, so anyway, he's got free bus fare out of his trip, and he heads off.
0: Mr. Grove uh, turns away from the window to see Harry, who says, What a world. Uh, Which is, you know, accurate. Yeah. Mr. Grove says that he didn't have to come, but Harry says that Doris Classic was one of them, uh, meaning retail people were like carnies, but with better clothes and teeth. Yeah. Uh, Miss Marnel asks Harry if he wants some tea. Baby daddy would be
1: happy to marry you.
0: (laughs) No, he would still be pining for the retail person who got away. (laughs) Miss Mardle asks Harry if he wants some tea, and Mr. Grove asks who that young man was. Miss Mardle was not expecting that. She no. thought she had dispatched that toot suite. Yeah. And she claims it was a delivery boy, <laughs> which, like, shouldn't you have been
1: delivered something? <laughs> it's a delivery boy that, uh, we... He had the wrong house. He's Bye! He's de- delivering flowers.
0: Mr. Grove sits down, and Mr. Crab and Harry sit with him. Harry asks how Mr. Grove is holding up, and then he chokes back some tears, and Mr. Crab puts a hand on his shoulder. Mr. Grove asks why she was running across the road. Mr. Crab says it's difficult to believe it was God's will, which is true. And, like, I really like what we're getting out of Mr. Crab in this, because he's mm-hmm. this very, like, specific type of of old Christian dude
1: mm-hmm. who's
0: like, no God, you generally have done me solid. Yeah. Why are you doing this to my friend? Yeah. Um, Grove says that all the children were crying for her the night before. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Crab asks how they were when he told them, Mr. Grove has not told them yet. Yeah. He said that Doris classic was away visiting family. And then Harry says that he's been in Mr. Groves' shoes and his children got him through it. Uh, your kids are grown-ups, dude. Yeah. These are like toddlers and very young children who don't have a solid understanding of anything.
1: Yeah. Well, I, if if my experience tells you anything, your children will shortly be dating aviators and club owners. So, <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, at Caliano's, Fat Thomas comes in to see Regan reading a paper. Uh, he is reading a review of Caliano's that says... The music, cocktails, and charm of the enigmatic Mr. Cagliano make for an intoxicating evening. He is
0: enigmatic now. Yeah. He used to not be enigmatic, but now he is. Maybe I should be more enigmatic.
1: You could give it a shot. Yeah. Well, maybe you need to start by buying a bar and getting mixed up in the underworld. That actually sounds really great. (laughs) Uh, You know, we'll see. And this tech bubble crashes, there should be some uh, real estate we can snap up.
0: Fantastic. (laughs) Hey, everybody, the tech bubble's going to crash. Tell your
1: friends. (laughs) That's right. Because part of
0: how this works is everybody says it's going to happen, and then it happens. Yeah,
1: tell your friends, especially if they're institutional investors of some kind. Yeah,
0: for sure. (laughs) Tell them we're totally trustworthy.
1: (laughs) Open a new bar. We'll name it pets.com.
0: Can we actually call it (laughs) Pets.Commissary? We can. We can serve food.
1: It's a whole other set of bribes. (laughs) Regan says that he has got some friends who are going to be coming around to the club, and he would like them to be uh, allowed in. George asks who these friends are, but Fat Thomas just says to give their names to Haircut. Regan asks if things are going well backstage, and Fat Thomas says he'll go get the rake, meaning his share of the money, not a rake. Oh. Yeah, I know. <laughs> 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 exactly. <laughs> Regan asks George how they're working things with their illegal activities. And George says that those who are in the know ask for the club room and then they take them through to the back. George takes Regan back there and shows him the roulette table. Regan asks if George has had a flutter, which is uh the British way of saying gamble that I've never understood. But Wow. You know. That's interesting. Yeah. I guess it means, you know, the increased heart rate of gambling mm-hmm. or whatever. But as we've discussed, we don't understand gambling in any sense. Neither does George. But Regan says that he's missing out on one of life's joys. And then asks George if he thinks he's a bit above all this. Uh, George clearly does. But Fat Thomas says, of course, he doesn't. George claims that he's not above it, that he's only concerned for Fat Thomas and the club. You know, as far as their safety and everything. But Regan's like, well, both of them are in the pink in the moment, aren't they? Which they are. Mm-hmm. They're doing fine. Nobody asked no, George to know, be a downer.
0: I'm sorry, George. What part of running a nightclub did you think wasn't going to wind up doing something like this?
1: Right. Like, yeah.
0: Like, vice begets vice. Yeah.
1: This is not Mr. Selfridges anymore. Just
0: ask vice.com. com, <laughs> Okay. <Mystery. laughs> <laughs>
1: the employee cafeteria <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my god if it's not that is a missed opportunity vice yeah dot commissary.
1: <laughs> fat thomas hands regan his money regan counts it up and gives fat thomas some back and says that he hears what's her name it hasn't been around fat thomas says that her name is violette uh, and regan says oh yeah so uh harry selfridge brought her brought brought you to heal, eh? And he says that it's a shame because Violette was a draw. Which, really? But I was like, you know what? I bet people came from other clubs just to make fun of her couch cape.
0: <laughs> they were like, aye, aye, Violet, can I sit on your back? And she was like, you're supposed to ask if you can sit on my face. And the answer's no. My face is taken.
1: <laughs> Why do people keep trying to put throw pillows on me?
0: <laughs> I've got my American accent. This couch cape to keep me <laughs> warm, mother. Oh, wait, my mother is dead and I'm acting out as a result. <laughs> that's from my one person show, Violette Selfridge <laughs> Tears of a Couch Cape. <laughs>
1: I like it. No, and she's a historical figure too, so I feel like that's public domain. Ooh, that's a good point. Now. Yeah. Anyway, Fat Thomas says that he's not like Regan, always looking for angles, and Regan just laughs at him and says, dogs is dogs, and heads out.
0: Um, I Big fan of Regan. Me too. Like Regan is like from another show. Yeah. Like Regan was like, you know, I was gonna go be on Boardwalk Empire, <laughs> but then I thought, why well, leave England?
1: Yeah. Like everybody else on this show just kind of bumbles around, including the villains. Whether it's Locksley oh, or yeah. whatever else. Like but
0: he's got a very clear directive.
1: Yeah. He's like, I've been running this underground criminal empire for twenty years. I'll be running it for twenty more. Mm-hmm. This is just another week at the office for yeah. me.
0: Yeah. Uh, ah, I should be more like him. <laughs> At Grove house, the kids are playing as Grove pays off their babysitter and she heads out. Grove walks into the playroom and says, children, I have something to tell you and closes the door on the camera. I assume this is the moment that he's chosen to tell them that they're ginger because they have no mirrors in their house.
1: <laughs> That's right. I, I hope Daddy,
0: w- why won't you let us look in the pond? <laughs> because I wanted to spare you. <laughs> No seriously though He is going to tell them That Doris Classics did
1: Right Which is kind of a downer Yeah
0: uh, That's a big downer Yeah
1: We were trying to lighten the mood But yeah It's yeah, not fun It's not Selfridges Crab walks past Plunkett saying that he has an appointment, but Plunkett says that Harry is not in the office. Crab is shocked. He says it's almost 5 o'clock and they have to finalize the report for the shareholders and asks when Harry will return. Plunkett says that Crab's guess is as good as hers. Which
0: I assume is Plunkett code for he's nailing abroad. <laughs>
1: I mean, you know, Crab knows these codes as well, I'm yeah. sure.
0: At Homely House, the Homely architect caresses a shirtless Harry who says that after the wake, his first thought was to see her, which is gross.
1: Yeah, that's he's definitely got a really healthy attitude towards sex. He's
0: just really he's, cranked everything to eleven with this and it is so unpleasant. He's
1: not just an addict that uses it to cover up a black hole of depression inside. Oh yeah, he's definitely not. Yeah. No.
0: The homely architect says it must have been a difficult day. Harry says it's brought up feelings, which again, abort, abort, (laughs) get out of there, homely architect. You could leave anytime.
1: Take the money and run.
0: The homely architect says life is fragile and we think we know how it'll turn out, but nothing is guaranteed. Harry says it's why they have to work hard to achieve what they desire. The homely architect says that as soon as this project is over, he'll be on to his next scheme. Harry says that she sounds like she wants their project to be over. She denies it. He says they should go out. And she's like, uh, what? And he's like, yeah, wherever the wind takes us. Uh, Which, again, wrong. No. Yeah. homely architect, you need to kick this guy out and be like, you know what? I don't pay you for your feelings, (laughs) (laughs) dum-dum. Tell him to hit the road. I agree. You're a very successful, fraudulent architect.
1: (laughs) That's that's right.
0: With a weird, you know, C-3PO looking boyfriend.
1: Yeah. I assume. Or, you know, partner in fraudulent architecturing.
0: Yeah. Not clear to me what all that's about. But anyway, (laughs) uh, I'm sure she won't just go along with this.
1: Gerard and Webb producing convincing blueprints since 1910. (laughs) So Harry and the homely architect walk into a darkened selfridges. She takes his arm as they walk through the shop floor. He shows her some perfume that's straight from Paris. Uh, Do they sell perfume that's not straight from Paris? Because I don't really see why they should. I don't know. Like, you know. She says it's beautiful, so he gives her a box. Uh, She says that she couldn't possibly, but Harry says it's okay. He knows the owner. (laughs) (laughs) Also, fun story, you're not actually the owner anymore, Harry. I know the architect says that they shouldn't be there but Harry says that they all need to do things that feel illicit sometimes and takes her to fashion
0: like I'm not going to say that that's not true but also Harry like the fact that she could be scamming him has not crossed his mind once right the fact that anybody is banging the richest man in England like have (laughs) a modicum of self-awareness here yeah I mean although honestly as we see throughout this episode the entire Selfridge clan, including those who have joined by marriage, are not long on self-awareness. No. At Grove House, Grove and Martle are eating dinner and making me hungry. <laughs> Grove asks how things are at the store, and he suspects Nunu Gordon could use his help, because even in his grief, <laughs> right. he is still making it all about his perceived slight.
1: I hope you know, I still bear a grudge.
0: Miss <laughs> Martle says there's no rush for Grove to return. They hear a child crying. And Miss Martle asks if Grove wants to go to them. He says that he told the children that Doris Classic was dead when he got home. I just hate this choice that he's made. Mm -hmm. Because he, you know, did not take them to her funeral. Right. Or her wake. And so they now have no sense of closure. Yeah. And it is...
1: Look, it's... In as, you know, it's as understandable as, in terms of the circumstances, it's one of the circumstances where you least like to be judging somebody when their wife and mother of their children has died out of nowhere. You know, maybe their judgment is clouded, but...
0: Yeah, I mean, it's not like they had an understanding of, like, modern psychology at the time. Well, true. So I'm kind of doing that, like, you know... 2020 hindsight on yeah, the past but i but mean it's
1: you know it's it's still hurtful to these children like
0: i know old-timey people didn't know stuff <laughs> anyway miss martle says that must have been terribly difficult uh mr grove changed the subject and says he has something for miss martle he hands her a box with a we think it's a pendant yeah inside he says it was doris classics and she always spoke so highly of miss martle uh, they British about whether or not she can accept it. Mr. Grove says he doesn't have many friends. He's been busy with work and family, and Miss Martle's support has been beyond the call of duty. Ms. Martle says she'll keep it as a memento and leaves. Yeah,
1: because she does not want to get into the motivations for her support. No,
0: or uh, be drafted into a grief bang.
1: Well, right.
0: Harry, like, stole his grief bang thunder. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, it's not even, you know, she wasn't related to you.
1: No. At Caliano's, Fat Thomas shakes somebody's hand and then goes up to Haircut, who's talking to a couple of men who say that they're Regan's friends. Fat Thomas asks if they're looking for the club room. One guy uh, laughs and says no, and they walk off.
0: I'm kind of curious as to, are they charging a cover? Like, why would anybody not be allowed in, period?
1: Well, I think, I mean, I think the point is... As we shall see, the point is not just to allow them in, but then not to kick them out should they violate certain club policies, which they're there to violate.
0: Right. Yeah. But, yeah. Anyway, I just, I'm curious. I would like to know more about the inner workings of Colliano's.
1: Well, you're going to need to know it all once we're running (laughs) Pets.Commissary.
0: Back at Selfridges, Harry tells the homely architect she looks beautiful as they walk into the palm court. She doesn't. She looks homely. <laughs>
1: uh, Harry we made that very clear.
0: Okay. Harry asks for straight up or with a kick. Uh, the homely architect says straight. I'm giddy enough already. Yeah. So Harry pops a cork, pours her a glass, and like, what, I- what is it? Like, why would you? Although, okay. I mean, I used to make a drink. Mm-hmm. that i called an amaretto slant true get your pen and paper ready everybody because <laughs> this is delicious
1: it's very good i've had it
0: um which was uh vodka and amaretto mm-hmm. and then i think sprite it was
1: sprite yeah, yeah.
0: or like if you were gonna make an am- you like however you make an amaretto sour mm-hmm. you know whatever you can scrape together <laughs> um so yeah so you make yourself you know your amaretto sour to your liking man i have not had an amaretto sour in years
1: maybe tonight's the night <sighs>
0: look out, <laughs> look out, Kalyanos, I'm coming for you. <laughs> just get my couch cape on. <laughs> anyway, uh, and then, you know, you'd put a shot of vodka or two yeah. if you were real sad. <laughs> um, but I don't think that's what, but I mean, it seems like it must be, I have no idea.
1: Yeah, I mean, I guess, I mean, even if it is just sparkling grape juice, I don't, you wouldn't, I I don't know. I don't know. We don't know what it is.
0: Yeah, any bartenders out there, <laughs> English bartenders, want to fill us in on that?
1: Yes. Again, ideally, if you're 100 years old, even better, but, uh...
0: Well, we would make a sarsaparilla, but then <laughs> there were people who wanted to drink alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Harry says he loves spending time with the homely architect. She kisses him and asks if he often runs riot with ladies in his store. He says it's the first time, which seems like a wasted opportunity. It does. Well, actually, him and Rose's marital problems could have been solved if they occasionally just rolled around in the palm court (laughs) laughing about how rich they were.
1: Yeah. No, that would have been nice. And I I will give Jeremy Piven credit, too, because you can see him be like, boy, you know, I I can't believe I haven't done this before. You'd think with all the floozies.
0: (laughs) Well... This is a trustworthy floozy. No, that's true. I mean, we've only seen him with a certain select few floozies. Yeah, yeah. But he had no use for a a non-frivolous floozy up until this point. Right, right. No,
1: that's a good point.
0: The homely architect says that if it was her place, she would be there all the time. Harry tells her that he's not the owner anymore since he sold those shares. The homely architect says that he shouldn't have done that. The store is everything to him. Harry says that the store will still be there in 100 years.
1: Which it's only got four years to go. That's true. And it's going to make it, I think.
0: Uh, And he cares about, well, we don't know how far reaching the effects of the tech bubble burst are
1: going (laughs) to be. (laughs) Well, that's true. Uh,
0: Anyway, he says he cares about what's important today and the homely architect takes a drink.
1: Yeah. Not to mention the British government's bizarre obsession with budget deficits. But Mm -hmm. anyway, we'll get into that in my monetary policy podcast.
0: What is that called?
1: Um... I'm, I'm not coming up with a funny name. I guess I'll just have to let you know, like I'm trying to, you know, like the Federal Reserve. Uh, you can just call it Duckets. <laughs> the podcast of the Exchequer. Uh,
0: <laughs> I'm already asleep. Don't start this podcast.
1: <laughs> oh no, it would be terribly boring. <laughs> Even though monetary policy is very important.
0: Anyway, that's why we pay the government, Tom. <laughs> I assume.
1: Next, we see the tea shop, <gasps> the famous tea shop.
0: We haven't been at the tea shop at all this season. No, I know. It was exciting. It has been the site of so many, you know, portentous meetings.
1: <laughs> well, let's see what happens. Uh, at the moment, it's just Violette going over furniture plans with the homely architect, who is not listening to her. Violette asks if the late night is catching up with her, and the homely architect says, Oh... Yes.
0: How did she find out she had a late night?
1: Uh well probably I mean, you know, we're in the middle of this meeting, they probably exchange small talk yeah. about although that's her dad she right? was having the late night with.
0: I know, that's what I'm saying. Mm. Like who wants anyway.
1: Well anyway, that's that's what she says. Violette says she can finish up with this furniture stuff by herself. Uh and the Homely Architect says that's great because Harry asked her to attend the shareholders' meeting that will be happening momentarily. Violet says that he does like an audience.
0: Yeah, definitely invite your girlfriend to a work function. Yeah. Like, gross. Yeah.
1: Well, to be, I mean, in the past, he's actually hired his girlfriends.
0: Yeah, that's also true. He's got very bad business practices when it regards, you know, people he's banging. He does. Like, never hire somebody you're banging. Agreed. Or anybody that you used to bang. Yeah. Like, just don't do it. It's
1: not cool. Homely Architect asks if it's still difficult between Violette and Harry. Violette says that she's finding a way through it and tells her to go on. So the Homely Architect leaves, and Violette turns around to a man holding a newspaper in front of his face because somebody's always listening in at the <laughs> tea shop. Uh, she asks if he's keeping up with the Paris Peace Conference. Uh But it's Fat Thomas, and he says he's actually reading about horses. <laughs> They're I, from two different worlds. I'm not
0: sure what's boring her. <laughs>
1: He goes over to her and he says that he thought the homely architect would never leave. Violette says that they have a lot to do. Fat Thomas offers his help. Violette asks what he knows about furnishing soldiers' houses. He says he knows plenty, but first, he wants to show her something.
0: Has the fact that he's a veteran not come up and, in this relationship? It
1: doesn't seem Like, to... shouldn't you just
0: assume he probably was in the war?
1: Yeah. I mean, I, she I would think she would surely know. I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know either. She can be oblivious. Mm-hmm. So, out front, what Fat Thomas has to show her is a new car. Yeah.
0: <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Grandma, <Yeah. laughs> for letting me watch Surprises Rain. Right. Lo, those many years.
1: Yeah, it is a Hispano Suiza. So, thanks to Kelly for making out the name on the grill, which I could not do. I
0: have shockingly bad eyesight. It's a miracle that I could figure it out.
1: Yeah. Uh, He says that he knows it's not a Rolls Royce or a Bugatti, but he is proud of it nonetheless. That looks pretty sharp to me. I
0: know. I think it looks great.
1: Yeah. Violette asks how he can afford it. He says the club's doing all right. Violette suggests that he take her to the club, and she says that she can tell Pa that she's going to the theater with a friend, which you'd think at some point... Pa would be like, wait a minute, you say that every night, and then you come home smelling of cigarette smoke and Fat Thomas. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Anyway, Fat Thomas says that maybe he'll bring her around, but suggests that first they should get the wind in their hair.
0: In Harry's office, Rose's portrait
1: watches. And again, let me be clear. They started on Rose's portrait and then <laughs> panned the camera over to the actual shot they want for this scene.
0: They could not troll us better if they tried. The only way they could troll us more is if they just had a shot at the end. Like if the end credits just roll up over Violette's fucking creepy child drawing. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. I would love those credits. Yeah oh man somebody make those credits that would be amazing Mm -hmm. yeah so mr crab is telling harry that he would have preferred it if he'd reviewed the document yesterday harry hastily flips through it and says it's first class i am so annoyed with him yeah as nudie gordon summons all of them no look everybody phones it in occasionally right but like don't phone it in here dude yeah In the hall, Mr. Crabb tries to tell Harry about some addendums. Harry says he just adores Mr. Crabb's addendums because he's definitely not having a manic upswing or anything. (laughs) The elevator arrives and Rosalie, Ma, Wizwaz, and Sergey all step out because he doesn't have enough going on. Right. Harry hugs Rosalie and says he thought they weren't back until the weekend, but Rosalie says they caught an earlier boat train. She asks if Harry's free for tea, but Harry says he's on his way to a shareholders meeting. Rosalie says, business, business. Which... Which
1: shut up rosalie yeah like if you show up in the middle of the work day perhaps your father will have work to do
0: yeah also he mostly wasn't doing business all day yesterday so back off (laughs) harry says that since they're all shareholders they're welcome to join them uh wiz doesn't want to so he suggests that they have tea at the emporium on him isn't everything WizWaz does on him?
1: Uh, yes. <laughs>
0: WizWaz says that's generous and he's very kind. Harry has no response for that and gets into the elevator with Mr. <laughs> Crab and New Gordon. It's
1: like, I was really just trying to shut you up, WizWaz. So we see somebody weighing some tea as Sergei describes his plans to buy new letterhead that includes the name of his new partner, DeSabor. Uh He explains that Sibi is an aviator and they have grand plans Sergei stands up as Ma says that he could charge the stationery to Rosalie's account, but Sergei says he has capital of his own now, damn it. Uh, he tells Rosalie that he will be looking at some premises later and invites her to come along, but she says that she's meeting friends, so the two of them head off. Ma says to Wizwas, Something happened in Paris. <sighs> and Wizwas says, Doesn't it always? Wait.
0: Sometimes you just go to Paris and nothing happens.
1: Yeah. This has been a weird old American and a weird old Russian talk do about sex. a nice sex.
0: impression of Ma. Uh, thank you. Fat Thomas and Violette drive through the countryside, Violette holding a scarf up in the wind. Violette says, I thought these things could go faster. And Fat Thomas asks if she's saying he can't keep up with her and accelerates. <laughs> I can just see the headlines now. Crooked club owner and floozy found dead. <laughs> <laughs> Next day... Dead floozy, Harry Selfridge's daughter.
1: <laughs> some no.
0: her crooked club owner, just some guy.
1: <laughs> I feel that's like what was that bump back there? <laughs> oh, just Matthew Crawley. <laughs> <laughs> At the shareholders' meeting, Harry says that sales are a little flat, but they're still number one on Oxford Street because they understand what the customers want, hope and life and sensuality.
0: Yeah, he definitely needs to be on a billify or something.
1: (laughs) He says the death has stalked the fields of Europe, and now is the time to look to the future. Applause.
0: Mr. Crab moves to approve the report and everybody says aye and starts to get up as Crab asks if there are any further questions. But then Loxley comes in and says he has a question. Dun, dun,
1: dun. dun.
0: Oh, right. Sorry. I should have given that more. I just, you know, like I know how it ends. (laughs) Right. Sorry, everybody. (laughs) We've seen this. Uh, Yeah. So he wants to know how much longer is Harry going to take advantage of his shareholders? And Harry asks what he's doing there. Loxley says to answer the question. But Cram says it's the most improper invasion. And Nunu Gordon says he's supposed to be a shareholder, which, durr, <laughs> Loxley pulls out a paper and asks, will 5% do? He says he picked them up for a song not two weeks ago. And various people react,
1: commercial break. <laughs> right. After the break, Crab suggests that they end the meeting and reconvene another time. But Harry says he's not running from Loxley. So uh, how's that not running strategy Also, working? he
0: is one of your shareholders now, whether you like it or not. Well, right. So get your shit together.
1: True enough. So Harry says, let's hear it. And Loxley says that Harry's running the company as his own personal piggy bank. Uh, he has a residence at Arlington Street, vehicles, allowances for his children, all of them paid out of the chairman's account. Crab says that Harry's children are ambassadors for the store, which Loxley kind of laughs at, Yeah, and uh, that Harry has committed no crime. Loxley says that perhaps not technically, but it shows that Harry doesn't care and has lost interest in the company.
0: I'm curious about the technicalities, which mean that those things are not crimes, because that all sounds very suspicious to me. Yeah,
1: I mean, it's just, well, you know, that's who writes the laws rich people oh yeah and they want to make sure that they can buy residences and cars and allowances for their children
0: i guess this is why we'll never be rich <laughs> it would never occur to us now would be like earn your own money damn it this is
1: ours <laughs> get out of here that's true so look out hypothetical children you're not going to be getting any undeserved pieces of the pet stock commissary millions <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's right you're going to work your way up from the bottom for Reelsington, <laughs> not like Nunu gordon
1: let alone the royalties from tears of a couch cape.
0: <laughs> oh, what a cash couch that's going to be.
1: <laughs> Sometimes I look inside myself for loose change.
0: <laughs> oh, man, we actually should write this. It's terrific. Yeah, it's going well. We can perform it when we go to England. <laughs> yeah. It'll be near the West End.
1: <laughs> that's right. I'd be nearer than we are now, oh, so that's true. Anyway, Nunu Gordon says it's not true that Harry doesn't care, and Loxley says such loyalty from the heir to the throne. Like,
0: Loxley's kind of killing it here. He really is. He's doing a great job.
1: Yeah. Loxley says that that Harry sold his own shares at rock-bottom prices, and Harry says that he sold them to raise money for the Selfridge estate. Loxley says that his vanity projects don't benefit the store, but the homely architect, uh, which, is she a shareholder? What's she doing there?
0: Well, she's a uh, shareholder by vaginal proxy.
1: (laughs) Uh, again, rich people write the laws. That's so true. That
0: <laughs> has a shareholder recently been inside you? <laughs> oh, my apologies, madam. Practice this way.
1: Uh, but yeah, the homely architect says, how dare you? Loxley looks at her and says that he can see now why Harry has spent all his time on his pet project. Why?
0: She's very homely. <laughs> he was married to Lady May. She had a hair bra. I,
1: look, I'm sorry. I know. He's just making his debating points. Harry says that's enough and says that, it says to everybody, it says, oh, you know what, you're right, share prices have dipped, so I make you this promise. And Crab's like, oh shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says that, uh, share prices will increase 10% over the next three months. And everybody, except for Crab, seems quite happy at this news. Loxley says, placing it all on red, Selfridge. And Harry thanks everyone for attending and people start heading out crab asked harry how they're going to fulfill that promise and harry says we'll find a way we always do i
0: strongly feel that this season ends with him declaring bankruptcy (laughs) like i can't remember i feel like i like through the ether somehow i've heard that he like made and lost several fortunes Mm. um which again rich people yeah i don't understand yeah um and i feel like we're heading into like that type territory
1: it's it's plausible
0: I don't know It's hard and just... people,
1: people are scamming him Left and right Yeah
0: On the shop floor Mon Wizwas walk by Miss Martle Who is not in fashion For some reason Right uh, Baby Daddy suddenly appears And says he needs to talk To Martle Out in front of the store, the homely architect says that she feels responsible, Uh, which, like, you kind of are, and you did kind of set out to scam him. Right. So aren't things going technically very great for you? Yeah. I know you've decided to develop feelings for your mark or whatever. Yeah, but that's
1: about, like, scams have consequences. mm -hmm. Like, if you're going to steal money from people, uh, they're going to suffer. Yeah. that's.
0: Harry says that he has this covered and shows her into a car. The car pulls away, and then Loxley comes up behind Harry, and he says... They will say that this is the beginning of the end. And then Harry says that they won't. Will not. (laughs) No, you won't. (laughs) Yes, I will. Loxley says they'll see. Harry asks where Loxley got his information and he says from Sergey and as that he'll be expecting a seat on the board, Harry says that he'll need more than five percent for that. Loxley says he actually has seven percent. Sergey put some of Rosalie's shares up for sale, and that entitles Loxley to a seat. See you at the next board meeting, Harry old chum. I mean, come on, his villainy is going great.
1: yeah he's it's going quite well. Martle tells Baby Daddy that he must accept that the arrangement is no longer possible. Baby Daddy says that this is his son, but Martle says that Grove doesn't know that. Baby Daddy says that Grove will have to be told, but Martle says he can't be then baby daddy says that Martle started all this and it's up to her to finish it. Uh, and I think it was your horny on-leave dick that started this dude.
0: Uh, more than that, actually, he was the one that started it because he wouldn't stop stalking Doris Classic. Yeah. Miss Martle wouldn't have known a thing about it.
1: Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm
0: violette and fat thomas lie in the grass atop the white cliffs of dover we assume uh there's certainly white cliffs we have no idea where dover is
1: yeah uh but if the you know or if there are other white cliffs around england the
0: cliff of infinity (laughs) fat thomas says it's good to get out of the club and he's been looking forward to seeing violette he thought he might at the wake but violette says she doesn't like wakes and why would she have been yeah she didn't know Dora's classic yeah Um, She remembers Rose's wake Feeling like she was Inside a bottle Wanting to scream Or smash something Fat Thomas says That's why he likes her He He pulls out The furniture book She had Says Brought a little Light reading Did you In case you got bored And you know Not a great line Violet says To give it back She thought he'd Help her Not tease her She says It's not easy Figuring out How to furnish The houses And she wants To get it right Fat Thomas says all you need is a good table, sturdy chairs, and a comfortable bed. Violette asks if it's a bit Spartan because she's rich. Yeah. Fat Thomas says that's what they dreamed of in the trenches, a table with kids around it and a bed to curl up with the wife. Uh so apparently in these dreams there are children, slept on the floor. <laughs> yeah. You know, let them fend for themselves. <laughs> they weren't in the trenches.
1: That's, that's right.
0: <laughs> what we wouldn't have given for a floor in a trench. <laughs> He asks if Violette could live in one of those houses. Violette says it depends who she was living with and kisses him. Uh, this is a bad don't don't do yeah. this, guys. You're not ever yeah. getting married.
1: Violette, the correct answer is no, you yeah. couldn't.
0: She says that he opens in three hours and asks if she can drive. She says dancing and drinking awaits, but Fat Thomas is sad. Yeah. Because he uh has realized that they are from two different worlds.
1: <laughs> they are. Uh Harry arrives home and angrily tells Fraser to tell Sergei to see him in the drawing room whenever he gets home. At the store, Kitty says goodnight to Martle, who doesn't seem to hear, and Connie says that she's been funny all day. Mustache comes up and asks if they wanted to go to a new restaurant that apparently serves steak straight from Argentina. Ooh. Yeah. I want to go. <laughs> Kitty asks Martle if she would like to join them, and Martle says no thanks. Connie asks if they can get jelly because she loves jelly, especially the kind with fruit in it. <laughs> Mustache says that Connie is a real connoisseur as they walk out.
0: Uh, for those of you in America, she needs jello. Right. And it's hilarious. It is
1: hilarious. No, Connie's been a great minor character. Crab walks up to Martle and says that maybe it's none of his business, but she seems to have the weight of the world on her shoulders. Martle starts to cry and Crab asks her what the matter is. Well,
0: Miss Martle cries in front of her male boss. Yeah. I do that sometimes. Mm-hmm. Well, I feel a lot better about my whole week. Excellent. In Crab's office, Martle has just told Crab about Shame Baby, and she says she tried to make it right and should have left well enough alone. She says baby daddy won't go away, which was also the problem before. So again, yeah. Miss Martle, this is so not your fault. Yeah, yeah. Um, but she's worried that he'll tell Mr. Grove. Mr. Crab says that he has to know. Miss Martle says that she can't tell him. Mr. Crab asks if it's because she doesn't want him thinking badly of her, and she nods. Mr. Crabb says that she's been carrying a heavy burden, but she but he has to know. Mr. Crabb asks if she'd like him to accompany her when she tells him, but she says no and thanks him. Yeah. Ah, uh, I don't like this. I know. This is actually worse than them getting back together. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's it's upsetting. Crabb's a solid dude, though.
0: Oh, yeah, he's a great friend. Yeah.
1: Sergey arrives home, and Fraser tells him to go see Harry in the drawing room. Uh, there, Sergey walks in and says that Harry's staff in Stationery were very helpful. Harry finishes lighting his cigar dramatically and then asks if Sergei has been talking to Loxley about his personal financial affairs. Sergey says no, but when Harry pushes him on it, he says that maybe when they were discussing the aerodrome.
0: Ah, the aerodrome. Nah. Were we ever so young and <laughs> flightless?
1: <laughs> Harry asks if he's been selling Rosalie's shares, and Sergey says that as her husband, he is entitled to. Harry says that Lox- Loxley bought those shares and is now going to have a seat on the board of Selfridges. Sergei says he didn't know that, and he needed to raise capital for a business venture, i.e. the exact same reason that Harry sold his shares. Mm-hmm. Harry says Sergei has sold them all out and to get out of his sight. So Sergei sets his glass down and leaves. And I'm like, hey, keep the drink. He didn't <laughs> say he had to leave the drink behind.
0: Yes! <laughs> At the bar at Caliano's, George asks Fat Thomas and Violette about their day. He's amazed that Fat Thomas's car made it so far and that he let Violette drive. Because we oh. you know old George Taller's always been, like, not a friend to women. <laughs> like, again, I'm like, you know. Ugh. Yeah. Violette says it was a little smoky. George says it's nothing a martini won't fix. Uh, doesn't she usually drink champagne?
1: Uh, well. Maybe
0: she's moved up to harder liquor. Maybe so. The camera pulls back to watch some tuxedo-clad men, which Fat Thomas is gazing at. Violette asks, what's the matter? Fat Thomas says nothing and asks if Violette will get in trouble. She says she'll be home by nine, if you let me. Fat Thomas ignores the innuendo as the three men split up, and then Fat Thomas goes after them and sees people doing cocaine. Uh, he's very troubled, and we can't think why, because it worked out so well for Ellen Love.
1: I know, right? Nothing but happiness. That's cocaine for you.
0: <laughs> well, as long as you've got a steady supply. <laughs>
1: well, yeah. Ma and WizWaz arrive home and see Sergey brooding. Uh, and doing so while just standing in the front hall, just sad. Mm-hmm. Like, not even sitting down. Just, yeah. like, standing in the front hall being upset. WizWaz asks, what's up? Sergey fills her in and says that they're not welcome there any longer. Ma asks where Harry is and Fraser leads her away. And WizWaz tells Sergey that he's exaggerating. He always exaggerates, but he uh, doesn't seem to think that he is. Yeah.
0: George kicks a guy out of Cagliano's saying, we won't have it in our club. The guy straightens his jacket and walks towards him. George asks what he's doing, and the guy says to turn around. Fat Thomas is behind George and says that it's all right. He knows. The guy walks in all smug, and shouldn't you tell your business partner when you're going to be like, no, it's totally fine? Like, you have to let people know about a change in policy so they don't do this.
1: You do, but he was, you know, trying to avoid the exact conversation that he is about to have. Yeah. So in Fat Thomas's office, George says that they said the roulette table was as far as they were going to go. And Fat Thomas says that he had hoped that this wouldn't happen, but he knew it was a possibility. George says that th- that they used to call cocaine forced march in the trenches. Uh, and soldiers went loopy on it, apparently. So that's good to know. Yeah.
0: I not heard that, actually.
1: Yeah. No, that's that's an interesting uh, little bit of slang there.
0: Mm-hmm. I, I just mean I didn't know that they had cocaine in the trenches. Oh, yeah. It makes sense.
1: But yeah, I mean, you sort of figure as long as cocaine's been anywhere, it's been everywhere, you know what I true. mean? That's true. He asks why anyone would want to do it for fun. Uh, Fat Thomas is angry, and he says it's because people want to try things that they wouldn't do before the war because they know that life is short. And he says that they've seen it. Boys, lives not yet lived, gone like that. I'm a better snapper. You are a better snapper. I've, I I... <laughs> I have no idea how that will pick up on the I podcast. don't, you know, we're yeah. going to
0: find out. You can just edit this whole thing out. I don't yeah, care.
1: That's true. I could download a, uh, you know. A
0: snapping sound effect. Yeah. Yeah.
1: They'd never know. They wouldn't know. No, you really wouldn't. <laughs> Cue the expert, like, forensic audio technician that's also a big fan of our podcast. He's like, <laughs> oh, I'll figure it out. <laughs>
0: Man, you know, our podcast sounds really great, incidentally. As I mentioned earlier, I've oh, been yeah. listening to podcasts so I can hear human voices. <laughs> and, uh, I listened to a live, uh, Welcome to Night Vale podcast mm-hmm. record. It was like, it was, um, that nerdist one that's like, uh, the writer's room or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but the sound quality was so bad. Yeah. I was
1: shocked. And I hear that. I, I'm always surprised because it's not like we try that hard. And I mean, we have like and we do it in this echoey room. I mean, we'd be better off. You know, I can definitely hear it when I do it. And I wish we had a more fabric lined room to do this in. But we don't. It doesn't matter that much. But even with that. Yeah. Like most most podcasts sound strangely bad.
0: Yeah. What's up with that?
1: Yeah. Get it together, everybody. Also,
0: make us Me Born Famous. Yeah. Because we have higher quality (laughs) podcasts. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or just, yeah. Yeah. Don't get it together, everybody. Just reward us.
0: Yeah. That's that's how it should be. (laughs)
1: There you go. Anyway, George asks Fat Thomas who he's trying to convince. Uh, George. Fat Thomas says that George doesn't understand. He's got this different mindset and and asks why he's so straight all the time. George says that he knows what's goes on, and he's not an idiot. Not anymore. Uh, he says that if they let it continue, they'll have trouble on their hands. <clears throat> Fat Thomas throws up his hands in frustration, and George says that he walked out on a job for life for this club, and Fat Thomas correctly points out that he never asked George to do that.
0: No, nor did George have the job at the club before he walked out on the previous job. Yeah. He literally, he came in and he's been undermining Fat Thomas the whole time.
1: Yeah. And are we ever going to see the homely Porter again? Because they teased us the Oh, my porter.
0: God. You're right. God, if she was working at this club, none of this would be happening. That's... She could be the bouncer. Mm-hmm.
1: Anyway, George says that Fat Thomas needed him at the club. Fat Thomas is skeptical. George says to call Regan, and Fat Thomas asks what George thinks he'll say. Oh, sorry about that, mate. Won't happen again. George asks for Regan's number, and Fat Thomas says, fine, he'll call him, and says, go on. And George is happy for a second, but then realizes that Fat Thomas just wants him to shut up and leave his office. Fat Thomas says they're finally earning some money, and to think of all the things that they could do, they look at each other for a second, then George takes some keys out of his pocket, puts them on Fat Thomas' desk, and walks out. Fine, he says. I'll take up that professorship at Oxford they keep offering me.
0: I hope Faye's around. <laughs> I could sure stand to have an angry bang. A bangry? <laughs> In his office, I'm doing air quotes, <laughs> Sergei is ripping up blueprints, as he so often seems to do. Like, you know the blueprints are
1: still good, right? <laughs> right. That's just his go-to the move. I to
0: destroy things. I really do. Right. But come on, dude.
1: But you should have perhaps keep some scrap paper around.
0: Rosalie tells him to stop and says that she'll talk to Pa. Sergei says Ma already tried. He says that Rosalie doesn't deserve to be selfish in vain, but Rosalie interrupts to say that she's pregnant and she won't let their family fall apart. They embrace, and I'm like, ah, Rose, come on, really, Rosalie? Like, ugh.
1: Rosalie is like, I do deserve you. I have very few redeeming qualities.
0: <laughs> no, and I feel like they've done a bit of a character hit on him. Because, like, when was the last time he went out with some floozies? You right. know, I feel like he's got, you know, sort of a much more minor case of George Tower syndrome. Yeah. Where, I mean, like, yes, he's had this through line of trying to get these projects financed. Yeah. But I'm just, I'm very unclear about what his actual relationship is to her.
1: I mean, I think, you know, part of that is, I think that, you know, I don't think he had any intention of being all womanizing after he was married. It's just, like, it's just his personality and Mm -hmm. it wasn't going to stop being flirty. Yeah. And we just haven't seen him in that situation. But I don't know. I mean, you know, God knows, who knows what he would have done in Paris if Rosalie hadn't come along. True. That's Paris for you. <laughs> In the drawing room, Harry tells Rosalie that Sergey betrayed them. Rosalie says that he didn't, that Sergey was foolish perhaps, but not malicious. Harry says that Loxley has a grudge against him because May divorced him, and now, and now Loxley is on the board. Rosalie says that that's not Sergey's fault and points out that Harry also sold shares to raise capital.
0: Uh. This is the first, like, contribution she's made that's at all worthwhile.
1: Yeah. Harry says that nothing Rosalie can say will fix this, but Rosalie says that if Sergey leaves, so will she, and so will his first grandchild. And Harry smiles.
0: Don't be tricked by that fetus.
1: He's, he's going to be tricked.
0: Uh, boy, fetuses are great at tricking people. They are. wiz walks into the front hall, followed by Fraser, happily carrying her things. Man, I want a Fraser spin-off. <laughs> His brother Knowles. <laughs> Their dog Freddy. <laughs> Their friend Wizwaz. Was. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, who could forget Grafney? <laughs> <laughs> I really hope everybody else enjoyed that as much as you did. Uh, Ma and Sergey are standing <laughs> will, there. And will Wiz- Grafney
1: and Knowles ever find love? <laughs>
0: Don't ask Wizzwaz. She's a loose woman. <laughs> Ma and Sergey are standing there, and Wizzwaz asks why everybody is standing around like servants. Harry and Rosalie walk in smiling, and Harry congratulates Sergey. Sergey apologizes for putting Harry in a difficult position and promises to do everything he can to put things right. They shake hands, and Harry leans in and whispers, You're damn right you will, and then tells Fraser to get champagne. Which, again, were you or were you not an alcoholic? Uh,
1: it's becoming clear that uh, he has completely forgotten about that.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know how Sergey can possibly fix this. Like, you can't go. Like, what are you going to do? Go up to Loxley and be like, Oh, hey, can I have my shares back?
1: <laughs> I was thinking I'd kind of rather have them back then you have because
0: Loxley's super interested in helping this family (laughs)
1: like
0: his carefully orchestrated (laughs) plan to destroy them
1: yeah remember how you scanned me before I was thinking you could like unscam me or like I I
0: could scam you this time
1: (laughs) right that would only be fair you know I got this new (laughs) stationery
0: Wizwaz asks what's going on and why is she the last to know? <laughs> and Harry says the next generation of Selfridges are on the way. Everybody's happy. Uh you do realize that that Selfridge is going to be named uh Bolotov. <laughs> so or Debolotoff. Debolotov, De yeah. 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 So uh, bummer. Yeah. Oh God, I hope they don't hyphenate. That's a totally British thing to do.
1: Oh wow, yeah.
0: Selfridge Debolotoff. Yeah. That's a lot. That
1: is a lot That's to a deal big with. Big
0: mouthful yeah. for little baby. <laughs>
1: Well neither of them is actually British, so. Yeah, I don't know. We'll yeah, find out. We will. Martle enters Grove house, uh, and it's late. Grove had thought that she wasn't going to come that night. Martle says that she almost didn't, but rather thought that she should. So cut to them sitting at the dining table, staring at the untouched pie that Martle brought, and Grove says that it's clear that Martle has something to say. She nods and says that while Grove was away, Doris had a brief affair grove asks what she's talking about and she's like oh you know like that thing you did with me for 20 years <laughs> and martle explains that shame baby is not grove's baby and grove stares at her inscrutably
0: so that was the commercial break and then after the commercial mr grove is pouring himself a drink as miss martle says baby daddy was named billy which is a terrible name for a grown man
1: mm-hmm.
0: unless you're billy eichner <laughs> or billy Connolly. What very about? very few billies can make it work billy idol Here's the thing. You can't just say Billy.
1: No, like, you're not. What right. was Billy
0: Baby Daddy's last name? <laughs> His name was Billy Baby Daddy. <laughs> Grove says that the Dowager. <laughs> Incidentally, uh, everybody, customers, we abbreviate Doris Classic as DC, and every time I want to say Dowager Countess. Yeah yeah hopefully well, i have not talked about that before but it's a struggle every time yeah
1: well fortunately uh she's dead now so hopefully it won't come up too much longer i don't
0: know we'll yeah, see i mean this plot line they're seem talking to be a continuing. lot about her yeah you know she's been dead this whole time <laughs> mr grove says that he confirms that uh doris classic told miss Martle a few weeks ago about this and miss Martle says that doris classic was afraid of grove's reaction and it was not her place to tell doris classic what to do <sighs> Mr. Grove says that she plotted and schemed and took the baby to meet baby daddy. And Miss Myrtle says that they thought they were doing right. Mr. Grove asks if baby daddy was the guy that showed up at the wake. Miss Martle says that he was. Mr. Grove asks if they were on their way to meet him when the dowager... <laughs> I'm so sorry. I just want a supercut cut of Mr. Selfridge now of like the dowager like working in accessories. <laughs> when Doris Classic died. And Miss Martle says they were on their way back. And that incenses Mr. Grove. So I guess Doris Classic was correct not to tell him a damn thing. No, uh, He says that if Miss Martle had not involved herself, then he and Doris Classic would be asleep in their beds. So they have separate beds. FYI. Oh, yeah. Miss <sighs> Martle says that it was an accident. Mr. Grove says that there are no accidents. People do what they should not, and then they try to wheedle their way out of the consequences. Uh,
1: what? Yikes. Uh,
0: again, it is not her fault yeah. that dude was stalking her. Yeah. Like, You can have your own argument about whether or not Doris Classic should have had this affair or not. Right. But like, you know, she did not have a lot of choices. Mm -hmm. Anyway, uh, if you look up male privilege in the dictionary, (laughs) you will see a picture of Mr. Grove.
1: That's actually true.
0: Miss Myrtle says, of course, now she wishes... It's the
1: dictionary they only sell at Selfridges, where everything's illustrated by with (gasps) pictures of Selfridge employees. I
0: would actually buy them. (laughs) (laughs) Miss Myrtle says, of course, now she wishes she hadn't done it, but she was frightened. Groh says... This is a tough one. He says that she was not as frightened as her daughter last night, and he had to sit up with her until dawn. Uh, Well, and again, can't have been helped by... Your mom's visiting people. Oh, did I say visiting people? I meant she got hit by a lorry. Yeah. Miss Martles again says that she's sorry, and Mr. Grove says he thought that Miss Martle's actions were those of a friend. Miss Martle says that she is a friend, but Mr. Grove interrupts to say he sees now she was driven by guilt. He takes a drink and tells Martle to go and get Shame Baby. Yep. To go and get the Shame Baby. Uh huh. She shakes her head and sobs. Like, she's just going to take that Shame Baby. Yeah. Take the Shame Baby, though.
1: (laughs) Right. Uh, Take the Shame. No, this is a a uh, highly intense scene.
0: Yeah, I mean Jesus. And yeah. no, and I mean this is probably realistically had Doris Classic told him she would have gotten the same deal. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I agree.
0: The only difference is that I really do think if that's what happened, he would have divorced her, kicked her out, although I guess she could have married that other guy.
1: No, uh, yeah, but I mean, you know, he seemed yeah.
0: I, I agree, but I'm saying you know she at least wouldn't have been homeless, right? Uh, and then he probably still would have tried to get Josie Martle to come and be his kid's stepmom, yeah, because he's a
1: gross dude. He is gross. gross. Like
0: I feel like in the original draft, his name was Gross, <laughs> and they were like, "That's a
1: bit on the nose eyeliner." <laughs> what I didn't get eyeliner on my nose. <laughs>
0: Like, for some reason to me, eyeliner is, like, this weird version of, like, hedonism bot, but also, like, an old British man.
1: That is an interesting scenario. I know.
0: (laughs) My head is a fun place to be.
1: (laughs) At Caliano's, Fat Thomas tells Violette that she should go. Violette thought that he wanted her there and asks what's changed. He says the club has changed. Violette says it still says Caliano's on the door and asks what's eating him. Haircut calls for Fat Thomas from another room. Fat Thomas tells Violette to stay there and goes to find Haircut crouching over a passed-out man in the hallway.
0: Which can't be the first passed-out man they've had.
1: True. Uh, but Fat Thomas pulls silence open and yells at the man, asking if he can hear him. Violette comes to the door and sees what's going on. Fat Thomas says that he told her to stay put. Like very angrily and forcefully
0: yeah which i kind of appreciate Yeah, like violette sometimes you have to listen to people yeah
1: yeah uh so she scurries off fat thomas says he's going to call a doctor but haircut holds up a vial of cocaine and says that he bought it there and a doctor would report them to the police god
0: damn it i love haircut yeah can i have the continuing adventures of haircut
1: absolutely i yeah So she says that she will get Violetta Brandy.
0: I like how Brandy is. Everybody, like, it was the Zoloft of the
1: day. Or no, uh, the Xanax. Yeah, yeah. One of
0: those Z drugs. Yes, I know Xanax starts with an X, everybody.
1: (laughs) One of those Z drugs. Uh, Violette is sitting at the bar, unsettled. Fat Thomas drags the body along the floor. Uh, Haircut opens up a bottle while staring at Violette. Uh, Subtext. So, you still like slumming? Yep. I really appreciate how much haircut hates Violette and always has. Oh,
0: I agree. Well, and again, it's not a jealousy thing at all. And I think that's made very clear. Mm -hmm. She's just like, you don't belong here, dude. Yeah.
1: Fat Thomas throws water in the guy's face while yelling at him to wake up. And Violette can hear that from where she is. The guy does wake up. So Fat Thomas pulls him upright and tells him to go home. And in the alley, we see Fat Thomas pushing him out the front door and watching him walk off.
0: Uh, also an intense scene like yeah. this episode got really intense it
1: did it did like, it feels
0: like we've been on like this slow burn and now all these things are like kapow because mm-hmm. like as shocking as Norris classic death was it wasn't intense you
1: right know? well it was just it was yeah. a shock
0: Back at Homely House, the Homely Architect is talking to Gerard about the shareholders meeting, saying it was remarkable to see Harry make that promise. And then he's a gambler who will stake everything he has for something he wants. Like, listen, Calamity Jane. Yeah. Like, hold your horses. Yeah. Get the hell out of there. Agreed. Gerard looks at a dress in a box, says that it's nice. The Homely Architect says Harry gave it to her. Gerard says they're not there for dresses and perfume. Uh, I don't know. You could resell those. <laughs> The homely architect says that she knows, but it's not easy to do what they're doing to him and his family. Gerard says she needs to step back and remember what they're there for, America and a fresh start. The homely architect nods, and Gerard says if she gets too involved with Harry, it could ruin everything. The homely architect sighs, and I'm like, yeah, it's too late for that, Gerard.
1: Yeah. Also, homely architect, don't sigh. If you get too involved with Harry, it could ruin everything. Yeah. Like... you know, that's it.
0: That's how this ends.
1: It doesn't end with... It doesn't end with the two of you together because he's going to find out about this scam at some point and that's... That's that's uh, the end of
0: the relationship. Yeah. Like, you can't bounce back from a scam of this magnitude. Yeah. Uh-huh. Like, he has jeopardized his business. He has. Like, you think he got mad at Sergey for enabling Loxley right to buy those shares
1: yeah like you've already done the worst you're gonna do to harry because the rest of the scam is to scam the government yeah you know uh, anyway
0: very poor scamming
1: (laughs) so haircut still staring at violette (laughs) she just like won't stop yeah as fat thomas walks in and goes to the bar violette asks if that man was okay fat thomas says he's fine and then he looks at her and says that it's time that she went Violette looks at Haircut, who ignores her, and then she says that she wants to stay, but Fat Thomas says she can't. Outside, he tells her he'll walk her to the cab rink, and she asks what's wrong. Fat Thomas says that her father is right. Fat Thomas' world is no place for her. He says that he's tried to find a way to make it work, but he can't. Violette says that she loves him and i really like this moment because Mm -hmm. fat thomas looks and there's a lot of different ways to go here because you know she doesn't exactly and all this sort of thing and what does he feel about her but what he finally ends up saying is love doesn't make a difference Mm -hmm. and goes inside
0: which is true yeah i mean i love you but it really doesn't make a difference
1: (laughs) right well i mean you know not in terms of like dealing with the criminal underworld
0: (laughs) yeah that's true you know. I love you, but, you know, when we're, you know, kicking a coquette out of our apartment, it's all business. <laughs> right.
1: That's, that's true. <laughs> so, yeah, so Fat Thomas goes inside, so I guess he's not walking her to the cab rank. Uh, and Violette tells the closed door that Fat Thomas is gutless and walks off. And Fat Thomas stands inside feeling emotional
0: also another intense scene it and is it's and just... it's
1: no and again you got to give it to fat thomas you know nailing down second lead this season mm-hmm. and i mean this is like he thought he was going to be middle class and he's not he you know he can he can make some money he can make middle class money but yeah, he's but just he'll not... never be
0: middle class yeah yeah he's got a regan it up man regan doesn't give a shit yeah well and you know you make enough money in the lower class like that you know you can't join a club or anything but
1: right you can have your own club where you're like, listen, no tweakers. Well, I mean, it's, and it's like Joe Kennedy, too. You know, if you make enough money, your kids can, you know. Yeah, that's be true. classier. Wasn't he with that? Didn't he almost marry some Italian lady before Fat Thomas? Oh, golly. I feel like we never did figure out. What, I feel like that was ambiguous at the time, even.
0: I, right, because it was right after we met Uncle Joe. Joe. yeah. Yeah. And he was like kind of going to like marry her because Agnes had been in Paris and she came back.
1: Right, right. And George
0: was hanging out there a lot and he was, I think, at least dating her. Yeah. So there's that.
1: Yeah. Anyway.
0: <sighs> back at Grove House, Miss Myrtle carries a fussy shame baby to the front hall. Grove opens the door without even making eye contact. She walks out. He closes the door and sits down in a daze. Yeah. Like insane.
1: Yeah. Uh, so then we get a little kind of montage at the end here. We see the homely architect pulling that dress out of the box and putting it in a suitcase. So I don't know what you're doing there, crazy. (laughs) Uh, we see Violette walk in the front door of her home and Fat Thomas sitting down in his club. Violette hears happy voices in another room, but walks in the other direction, leaving her scarf on the front table. Oh,
0: Sylvia Plath. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And Fat Thomas stares into space. And that's it. That's it, yeah. That was a hell of an episode. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: I think probably one of my favorite ones yeah this season
1: probably yeah i feel like i feel like there was one earlier this season that i think i would say was my favorite but i don't remember which one or why yeah. so well
0: we just have to go back and see which one was liquid it was right. probably that one yeah yeah um yes so i don't you know i'm not totally sure where we're going here like no, this I mean, is this is episode 7 7
1: right so and, three to go
0: like things aren't looking good for team selfridge no
1: at all yeah. like they're not
0: even Well, they're looking okay for Team Fat Thomas.
1: Yeah. Like, he can't have
0: Violet, but she was just going to keep annoying the fuck out of him. mm -hmm. Like, and I think, you know, that's the thing. Like, it's not even so much that she couldn't ever, like, understand it, but it's just that she...
1: She just... She can't... She can't go along with things. No.
0: Yeah. Um yeah you know got what george tallor presumably is still living rent free at martle house oh right so it's like what's gonna happen are they gonna like you know do gray gardens with this baby
1: is george just gonna go off to the vast empty beaches of france to join his sister like
0: i have no idea yeah um yeah rosalie's baby will it be satan (laughs) oh my god There's a whole fanfic about this where it's Rosalie's baby and Beatrice made it be Satan.
1: Yeah. No, I was just going to say, Beatrice shows up for the birth.
0: Rosalie's like, his eyes. What have you done to his eyes?
1: Beatrice was like, I painted them.
0: I really want to write this. <laughs> it's, it's such a very, very limited crossover fan. There's probably nine and a half people <laughs> that would enjoy this. Yeah, Like, they would be like, oh, not that Rosalie. <laughs> 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 All right. So now it is time for the Selfridge Awards, a.k.a. the selfies. That's right. Uh, first up, we have the Nailing It Award.
1: And we...
0: We, okay, I'm actually going to challenge our earlier ruling. Okay. Uh, we decided not to give one out, actually, because in this episode, everyone fails to nail. Right. Like, nobody does it. Yeah. Everybody's doing real stupid shit. Yeah. Except, actually, Lord Loxley is kind of nailing it. Yeah. And I think no, that's that's true. one, I think... and I'm always, like, very loath to, like, do that, but he is really doing a great job.
1: Right. He's yeah. He's playing
0: the Selfridge family like a fiddle.
1: Yeah. I mean, he's on the freaking board. Yeah. Like, that's... Got to to Yeah,
0: absolutely. Although I don't know, you know, like is he going? I'm just, I'm curious how that's going to work out. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. Because it's like the board's not going to let him torpedo the business.
1: Right, but the business is not Harry.
0: No, but it's got his name on it still, and that really seems to that's bother true. Loxley. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. At any rate, uh, Loxley continues to nail it. We hope you stop soon, Loxley. Uh, yeah. For we don't like you. <laughs>
1: right. We hope that that stops. Uh, next, we have the stick poke.
0: Uh, baby eviction. Yeah. Who evicts a baby?
1: Uh, Grove.
0: Like, he's like a Dickensian character at this
1: point. <laughs> he is.
0: Like, that baby's Oliver Twist, and he's that undertaker. <laughs> Except that undertaker actually let Oliver Twist stay there.
1: Yeah, no, it's more of a Scrooge situation. Yeah,
0: you know, actually, if you think about it, like, Oliver Twist gig. I mean, apart from having to sleep with the corpses... <laughs> uh, not that bad, you know. Uh, You're just well, this kid, you walk around.
1: You know, they had my favorite song in the musical, like "That's
0: Your Funeral."
1: That's the one, yes. Not your funeral.
0: <laughs> that's your funeral. <laughs> Appropriate in this episode where
1: there's been a funeral. Oh yeah. Yeah.
0: Next up, we have Windowworthy.
1: And uh, we'll go ahead and give that one to the White Cliffs of Dover,
0: or whichever White Cliffs of whatever place those were.
1: <laughs> this uh, continues to be a challenging award. Maybe uh, Gary Oldman will pop back up in future oh, yeah. episodes. Yeah,
0: they really didn't spend any time at the store this week.
1: No, no. I like love the only store. time they spent in the store was like after hours. Yeah,
0: that's no fun. Yeah, Kitty Edwards isn't there. Mm-hmm. Boo! At any rate. <laughs>
1: And then finally, we have the eyeliner scale of eyeliner.
0: This is a solid liquid, everybody. Mm-hmm.
1: A solid liquid. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Science! <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, just. Everything moved forward plot wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're we're starting to get to the end of several ropes. Yeah, and we really consequences
1: are being felt.
0: Everything was intense. It was a great showcase for the actors. Mm-hmm. I mean, just a really good time. Very limited whizwaz, which I yeah. think is kind of key. I think so too. Like, I don't hate her as a concept. But it's like, if they involve her too much, and like, why is she around
1: still? Yeah, she's a weird fit. She's a
0: very weird fit. Yeah. Uh, but at any rate, you know, we're hoping this kind of continues, like this level of intensity would be great. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we'll see if that happens. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it for this week. Uh, until we're back next time, you Bouts!